Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Pod by the Bay. I'm your host, Nathan Bond, joined alongside me, Seth Barnador, and Robert Stieg, the recently betrothed. We are three-man weaving this pod, uh, coming off a, a pretty impressive victory as the South Florida Bulls defeat the Rice Owls 42-29 inside Raymond James Stadium in front of an announced crowd of tw- a little over 29,000. Wink, wink, not even close. Uh, love that for your South Florida Bulls. Um, Stieg, I'm going to start with you first because there's absolutely no way you had any care in the world about this game. Yeah. With what went on. <laughs> yeah. But give me the vibes check as a guy who didn't really care about what was going on because of you know, real life stuff, fun stuff. But uh, as you come back into the USF world uh, on a, on a victory, uh, what to, to do Tuesday, I guess. Yeah. Victory Tuesday. Um, so when I was on the, so our flight out of Boston left at kickoff. So I went into it thinking I'm like, I'm just going to check the final score when I land and then just sift through all the crap on Twitter and social media feeds and everything like that and just deal with what happened. But fortunately, my flight had good Wi-Fi on it, so I was able to keep track of what was going on in the game without watching it live. Um, so the vibes were immaculate. Uh, I, I I don't think at any particular point I felt bad, but it was probably because I was kind of watching everyone else react to it, and so I was able to kind of have like a neutral like if I was if I watched that fumble on the one yard line and then subsequent like eighty yard touchdown pass, I probably would have felt a lot more different than I did. But like I just couldn't help but laugh. Like it was just like a, I I didn't see how it happened. I didn't see if like Naquan Wright like put the ball on the ground and just kind of like bit, like bird saluted everyone out of there or something like that. Um, but you know I I think for me at least where it was in the back seat of anything going on that was happening at the time, it was great to just kind of check in on it see what the scores were and just every time that Byron Brown hit Naeem Simmons on a on a deep hitter it was just like everyone was like oh my god again like how is he doing this like where was this last week how like how was this not here in like FAMU or, or for Western Kentucky or for Bama or anything like that so it was it was fun to watch at least as far as like once it got like midway through the third and on once like the game started getting put away um but yeah it was great Seth, you were inside the stadium. Uh, it, it was a little uh, dicey during, during that uh, two-play <laughs> stretch there, the, the fumble and the, yeah. the ensuing uh, deep-shot touchdown. Um, but like Steve said, kind of the game was never – like the offense started to click toward the end of the first half, and then it, they exploded in the second with the adjustments. What did you feel kind of – Going into halftime, it was you know fourteen thirteen, and then what you saw the first basically the first two offensive drives from USF that kind of sparked basically the the route. Yeah, I thought the offense played pretty well for most of the day, even on some of the drives where they ended up having to punt or kick field goals. They were weird, like the one where they thought they drew the guy outside, so they snapped it and ran the free play, but they didn't. So even even when they get stopped at times, there was kind of weird circumstances around it. So um, and we were up in the box and we could kind of see what Rice was doing defensively. 
And we just kept talking, like, are they going to stop running this coverage that they keep running, or are they just going to keep doing it? And they just kept doing it. So you felt like if they don't change, USF is going to keep moving the ball on them and, and be able to hit some shots on them, which is what happened. I know there was a lot of hand-wringing at halftime about the defensive performance, but you only gave up 14 points in the first half. Um, to what I thought, and we'll see if uh, if Daniels gets back healthy, but I thought it was a really, really good Rice offense, really well-coordinated too, like good play calling. Things flowed really well, yeah. and he was on. So um, if they get him back, I think they're going to do some damage offensively in this league. But you know, I, I felt the USF offense was kind of getting exactly what they wanted for most of the game. Then they came out the second half, did a little bit of double tight end stuff um, just to make the picture a little bit even more clear. Uh, just to get the safeties even a little bit tighter and really make those one-on-one shots uh, really, really clear. And Byron was able to hit them. And um, I think you asked about it in the press conference, they started him out in a rhythm. And he was able to stay in that rhythm. Uh, and he was really, really good. Yeah, he uh, completed his first eight passes uh, of the game, something that uh, hasn't really happened the first previous three games and Golish kind of made a point to mention that uh, after the Alabama game that he needs to do a better job. The staff needs to do a better job of kind of getting him into a rhythm earlier in the game. Um, and it, it sure seemed like it worked. Uh, you know, we love the, uh, you know, PFF passing stats, passing direction. We'll get deeper into it on the next episode of the Ponderosa, but this one kind of stood out as something uh, that has not happened yet for USF and Byron Brown this season, but on throws 20 yards down the field and more, he was money. And by money, I mean, he went six of 10 for 304 yards and a touchdown. Like he can't do And that's like, that. that's the offense. If you, you know, if you get people that right. try to load up for the run, you've got to be able to hit these shots over the top. And when you do, it's really hard to stop. And so it's kind of, you kind of went back and forth in the second half where you were able to get those shots. And then after that, you're able to run a little bit better. You ended up being able to run the ball. All right. But uh, rice really came out focused on stopping that. And if you hit those shots over the top, they've either got to get out of the defense or if they just keep saying, which I think their strategy was they hadn't done this all year. We're going to keep making them do it. And you did it. So we'll see what you get going forward. But, um, this offense so far, and like you said, we'll talk more kind of in depth on the numbers, but right now this offense is really all about explosiveness. They're not, have not had that consistency yet. I think as league play, as you get into further into league play, you'll see that. But right now it's just explosiveness is kind of where they're getting all their value from. Not great down to down and rice kind of enabled them to be able to play like that. So, you know, I, I understand kind of rice's plan. But man, they should, you'd think they would have got out of it after like you know three fifty yard bombs to Naeem Simmons, but they decided not to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you think that? And uh, the thing that was kind of really impressive to me, so I was kind of looking at the drives and the quarterback kind of um, situation, I guess, uh, toward the end of the first half. So. Four minutes left in the first uh, first half. Uh, these are some of the chunk plays that Byron Brown hits and starts to get into the rhythm. Uh, 53 to Simmons and then opens the third quarter with a 51-yarder to Simmons. 
has a 59 yarder, a 42, a 49 that goes for a touchdown, a 52. He started to get into rhythm. And uh, I don't know if anybody, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you probably listened to Split Zone Duo, beautifully produced by Anthony Vito. But Richard Johnson, who writes for Sports Illustrated, uh, has always kind of talked about how schematically Tennessee, especially this year with Joe Milton, like it hasn't been great, but there are going to be games where they hit these deep shot and they just bomb you out of the stadium. And this kind of felt like that just for USF, you know, same kind of offense. It was kind of sputtering. And then they just kept hitting bomb after bomb after bomb. And you saw the results in the second half they put up kind of a, a, a 406 yards of total offense in the second half, uh, 9.7 yards per play. Like, you're not going to lose very many games when you're averaging nearly a first down to play. No, it's a, uh, it's tough. Oh, yeah. it's tough. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good in my, in my, in my experience of college football. And I think, I think the part that makes this offense kind of have a little bit more wrinkle is that it's, you know, yes, you have the deep threat, but you still have Byron Brown, who is the best rushing quarterback in college football right now. If if I'm standing correct, uh, you know, it's not like if if it's not open deep, like he's going to bail out to a guy underneath, he'll run the ball. And I know Golish talked about the day that today in the presser, you know, he might need to be smarter about how he's running the ball and where he's running the ball and everything, and and, and sliding and maybe not try to pick up a, a few extra yards every once in a while. But it just it, it feels like this offense is getting back to the dynamic nature that we thought it was going to be at maybe. Uh, you know, later on this year, maybe next year, like that dynamic, okay, the deep passes aren't hitting. You still have Byron Brown, you still have Naquan Wright. Maybe the short game is what's going to be your savior here. And maybe you can get one or two deep balls. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot of fun when those 50 yard bombs start hitting. I'll say that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was an enjoyable (laughs) watch from up top. I can tell you that. Yeah. And, And you know, it's, we've kind of talked about it brick by brick. This team has, you know, outside of the three turnovers again, against Western, they were, they were in that game. It was a one possession game before that interception in, in the end zone. BMU, you struggle a little bit. You still get the win. Alabama game is going to go down in history is like one of the best losses USF football has ever had. Like that was just playing out quite literally outside of your mind. And what JT Daniels was able to do against this USF defense, it probably just shows a glaring hole of how bad the Alabama quarterback yeah, situation we talk, is. We talked about this in the uh, press box. When they is, can't get was are the two Alabama quarterbacks the worst two USF has seen this season? I think it's like not even close, right? Yeah, it's not. I take I, I take Musa. I think Ty Simpson's going to be take pretty Musa good over both those two other guys, right? Like, yeah, yeah. not even close. Yeah, easily. It's, it's not even close. And uh, I'm sure Lane Kiffin is kicking himself uh, that he, like, this is probably the worst Bama's going to be for a very long time and still couldn't get the job done. So, uh, tough break for, for our guy, Charlie Weiss Jr., who could only muster, what, 14 points 10. against Alabama? Tough stuff. And it's sad that he knew who the DC Jeez. was. But, uh, you know, I guess T Rob called a really good game. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, tough stuff. Oh, oh, nice. oh, oh! For the for the listeners at home, my daughter's gave me a smooch and what a uh, went off the bed. It was like the Grinch. 
Yeah, it was like the Grinch when he's trying to steal a Christmas tree, like <laughs> you know, taps her on the head and off the bed. Um, so uh, lots of awards over the last two weeks, especially this week. Uh, Davy O'Brien uh, award, Manning watch award, whatever. I mean, pick pick an award. Byron Brown was it? He was the conference player of the week. Uh, I saw Dan Mullen had him as because uh, Dan Mullen is now an analyst or commentator. He has a, he was one of the, Byron Brown was one of the top performers. Naeem Simmons was one of the top performers. Uh, Kirk Herbstreet had both had that duo of Byron Brown and Naeem Simmons as one of the best ones in the uh, of Week Four. Uh, just every everything worked out perfectly. And the stat that still blows my absolute freaking mind, standing on the sideline, Joe Johnson uh, leans over to me and uh, one of the uh, folks on the board of trustees and goes, yeah, uh, 272, that is the state record by any player receiving yards in a game by a wide receiver in the state of Florida. And we just kind of looked at it, looked at him and like, you're, you're, that can't be right. Yep, 1968 broke the record. 272 yards by Neem Simmons. When I mean, talk about the the folks have played college football in the state of Florida. Uh, Andre Johnson, Santana Moss, Sonoris Moss, uh, Michael Irvin, uh, Fred Bolitnikoff. I'm pretty sure, right? He went to Florida yep. State. Peter Warwick. I think. Uh, Florida, you've had Percy Harvin, Rudell Anthony, I Killiard, uh, Jacquez Green, Carlos Alvarez, West West Chandler, yeah, and then you had T. Y. Hilton. I mean, there's been a lot of pretty good ones. And uh, you know, Gabe, Gabe Davis is was a very talented wide receiver in college at Central Florida. I mean, the list goes on. Brashad Perriman, who runs like a four one forty at thirty years old, it feels like stone hands, but still really fast. Uh, it's Incredible that the guy who was at, at an FCS less than I, one year ago was playing FCS football has the FBS record by a college wide receiver in the state of Florida. Uh, and he's playing out of position, no less. Uh, like, that's in, truly incredible. Like, that is your bar trivia question. Like, it, for extra points, sports bar trivia, who has the receiving yardage record in a single game by it? player who played in a college state in the state of Florida. That's it. That's the answer. He's got to be one of the most obscure answers to that across all 50 states. We'll see. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. Probably. That, that may change. And uh, he's up to, so Simmons is up to 357 yards through four games. That puts him on pace for just a hair over 1,000 yards, uh, which if it holds up, would be the first 1,000-yard receiver in USF history. Byron Brown is also on pace for a 3,000-1,000 season. That would be the first 3,000-yard passer in USF history. Uh, you know, records are meant to be broken, even records of futility. Uh, and, you know, last couple of years, I've been keeping track of that. Uh, I think Army has a guy that's pretty that's kind of on pace as well. You know, records can drop this season, folks, with a explosive offense. Yeah, I I think you know, if if the game if uh, the game went on for another couple quarters, Naeem Simmons might have got to a thousand by the end of the game. 
So I, I think the the I think the biggest issue is how much you think. Now it, it seems like that might be something where one guy can really break out. We'll see if they can have it where you have a couple guys kind of getting over that hundred yard plateau. Um, so far it's it seems to be concentrated more on one guy having kind of bigger numbers. Uh, but theoretically, this thing is they should be able to spread it out pretty well. So. Um, that could be the only, that could be kind of the bigger detriment. But if he kind of keeps getting the one-on-one matchups, and uh, you, we saw he can he can run. Like he's not. Uh, I'm not sure why he ended up at Wagner, but guys, kind of it, that happens all the time. But he can he can go. So I think we'll see him get a couple more explosives. And you're hoping this week now they're pretty good at stopping him. But that would be a big one. Yeah, absolutely. And a couple more highlights. Uh, you know, as we kind of wrap up. Um, this episode just kind of recapping what a fun game it was. Uh, Kawan Powell, fantastic game by him. Uh, nine carries, 55 yards, a touchdown. Had a, a phenomenal touchdown, 26-yard touchdown rush um, where he kind of broke through the line, made a cut, and was gone. It was uh, really impressive by him, a bigger back, being able to show that kind of agility inside the tackle box to get out and, and make a move and open space. Yeah, and he's kind of interestingly enough, um, you know, according to the snap count data we saw, he got I think he had thirty I think it was the breakdown was like forty seven or fifty seven, I can't remember for Naquan Wright, thirty one for Kalen Powell, and then zero for Mikey Duke. So um Kalen Powell's had the second most carries on the team in three of the four games. Uh the only one he didn't was um the FAMU game, which Mikey Duke's got a bunch of carries there, but K1 Powell is kind of seemingly solidified at number two. I don't know. It's, it's what it feels like. And he's taking advantage of his opportunities. That's for sure. Yeah. And I, uh, you know, guy that only got two snaps um, over the weekend was Kelly Joyner. He kind of went to the slot during the spring, kind of stayed there due to injuries and whatnot. It seems like they've kind of solidified the, your top three receivers, Simmons, Atkins, and then a combination of, you know, Choffrey Brown and Michael Brown-Stevens kind of splitting, splitting reps there. Um, why not put Kelly Joyner back at running back and kind of get him involved? Um, I think those speed options are going to be a lot a lot deadlier with him back there. They they tried to do a kind of a jet sweep with him, and uh, he got stopped for, I think it was like a loss of three. Uh, I believe that was his only touch of of the game. So um, try to be a little bit more creative with the, the speed you got there with Kelly Joyner. Yeah, and he's been effective at running back in the past. So it's not like he's never done it and it's all like projection. He's been a good player. And I think he fits kind of, he would fit in their run game really well too. Um, you obviously needed him for depth, but you know, we saw uh, Jaquan Smith dressed and participating in pregame warmups. Maybe, you know, if it's only going to be two reps, now maybe you don't want to waste him, but, you know, I think Tyree Kelly's played two games right now and played five snaps or something like that. So if you can use the guy, use the guy. Or Sean Atkins can stay, take all the snaps in the slot seemingly. But to have Joyner there for two snaps um, feels like he, he could serve you better at other places. But, again, we're not at practice, so it's hard to say for sure. But just based on his past performance, he's been a, a positive player for you in the past at running back. So. Moving him there wouldn't be the worst idea, I don't think. Agreed. Uh, with that, we're done. We're this is a short one, 
short one this evening, short one today. Uh, oh, the Ponderosa thing. is going to be a little bit longer. I did remember one thing, and it didn't get mentioned. Uh, so the, the, the victory over Rice was the first victory that USF has had in a game that they weren't favored in, and I think 26 games? It's like a it was like a ridiculously high amount. This was the first time that uh, going into the game, Rice was favored by two and a half. Um, you know, any any victories in the past, the the Howard, Florida A and M, and Temple, all of those USF was favored in. Um, the last time that USF was uh, not favored in a game was that BYU game back in God knows when I can't remember. Um, Twenty nineteen. So yeah. It's, yeah, 2019. So it's been almost four years since USF won a game that they were not favored in. Did not happen in the Jeff Scott era at all. So, uh, yeah, I expected a Breck McMuffin tweet about it, but he didn't. So, whatever. 700 days since their last FBS win versus Temple in 2021. Uh, this is the latest USF has been at 500 or above this late into the season since the were we not 7-0 2018 season where they started seven and zero and lost the final six games. So there you Historically. have it. If you want our rice or so, if you want the Navy preview, check out the Ponderosa. Uh, we'll, we'll get, we're going to, we're having a guest on. We've got Mike James of the mid report on to get the Navy side of the story. And then we'll go into some advanced stats. That we uh, kind of teased here today. So if you want that, it's part of the Patreon 10 bucks a month gets you, Basically, twelve extra pieces of content a month, so pretty good deal. I agree with that. Go Bulls! Go Bulls! Go Bulls!